Hey guys, this is Andrew from Things I Want to Know. If you like the podcast, please leave a five-star rating. Don't really know why this is important, but it is. So let's get the voice out. Also, don't forget to check out the podcast Paul G's Corner, a podcast where everyone gets a voice. Alcohol has been around for centuries. It has been used to help boost confidence, ease anxiety, and make interesting memories or lack of remembering. What does it take to make it? It has to be way more complicated than the kits that you see in various places to buy. Today we're going to ask questions about everything alcohol. Today we're going to be talking with Megan Campbell. She's opening her own alcohol distillery. She's knowledgeable of the history, culture, and the brewing of spirits. So, Megan, how are you doing today? Is it ghost spirits? Uh, Great. How are you today? It's not ghosts. It's not ghosts. This is this is like the um, twenty. Ghosts is a very different business. Now, I've been very curious about this because I guess supposedly I've got family that way back in the day did moonshine and we've always heard about the kind of stuff that goes on and looking up for them revenues, are you? Mm, probably on my property, I might be able to do this kind of distillery, but no, I've <laughs> learned a little bit. I'm not going to do you it. Gotta, you got to, well, you can just start a distillery in your yard, but you'd have to get rid of those banjo players first. There's no banjo players. I'm not that far out. I'm ten minute, five minutes from a grocery store. That's not really in the woods. But I do remember family members telling me stuff about, you know, moonshine, and you got to have a water source, and you got to watch out for the four shot because it'll make you sick and kill you. And <laughs> the four shot, four just shots. to be clear, the four shot, not four. Yeah, you don't want to mess with that. Unless, of course, you know, you want to, I suppose. Oh, my God, stop. Well, I did it. I did it right <laughs> off the bat. He has this thing where he has to be given. like, oh, my God, Paul, stop. And he, I say it at least once an episode, sometimes <laughs> more than that. But can you tell us, um, I guess, a little bit about your distillery, what you're going to be brewing, um, all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So so we are Turquoise Sky Custom Spirits. And uh, we will start with making vodka and bourbon. And what we specialize in is actually infusions. So the part where it's already made, and then I get to add, you know, blackberry, cranberries, mm-hmm. lemons, lime, you know, all sorts of fruits and herbs and, and whatever I want to in order to make it really fun and delicious. Uh, and then we specialize in, in customizing things. So if you were, for example, having a big Super Bowl party, 
I would, you know, you would come to me and say, I want my own jalapeno, lemon, vanilla vodka. Uh, my party. I'm sorry. That's and, uh, and we would, that. we would make that for you. We would create a label for you and we would make sure you have the, the best Super Bowl party around. Can I get 110 proof? Uh, <laughs> yeah. She's like, I don't know about that. I don't advise that. Um, because it's flammable and it just doesn't taste very good when it's that hot. Well, when when you're drinking stuff that's 110 proof, you're not really into it for the taste. That's probably true. True. <laughs> true. It's like ca- it's coffee just, is just a caffeine delivery system, and it's not really all that good if you think about it. I don't mind coffee. Right? Well, so. it it is dangerous, um, but mostly it just when it's that high proof, the uh, the warmth of your mouth is enough to make the alcohol evaporate. So it, it evaporates like as you drink it and it's not a fun sensation. Oh, I strongly advise against it. Give me some Everclear uh, and check that out. It doesn't taste good. So that reminds me of something I've like heard of I'm people now. saying that you can light alcohol on fire. Oh yeah. I've never, I've seen it done once. But um, absolutely, I, I think it was moonshine that someone did it. But can what? you do it with other alcohol? Yeah. So, so when your your ethanol, your alcohol comes off the still, usually it's going to be at around 120 proof to all the way up to 195, which is um, like 90 percent alcohol. Yeah, I think like 96.5 is the the highest possible that you can really get off of off of a regular still. Wow. Wow. Um, so and, if you get some paint three removed at at those high proof. <laughs> yeah. So what all does it take? It's rocket fuel at that point. To open a distillery because I'm I'm a, I can, you know, I can only imagine all the regulations you have to go through, but is it like state, federal? <laughs> what all does that entail? You have to give your uh, yeah. second born and yeah, sign over like your soul to the feds. Uh, yeah. Just, um, <laughs> no, no. The second born is to the feds. The the soul is to the city. Oh, okay. Let's okay. um, get it straight. Yeah. So you do. You have to be licensed on the the city, the state, and the federal level. Yeah. Um. Then so you... the federal level, they get a, a lot of a, a bad rep, but that was by far the easiest for oh, us. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to have two entrances. You have to uh, not have any felonies, or at least none related to like giving kids alcohol and then <laughs> making them drive around. Pretty much. Um, they, have a drink before you take your driver's test. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, and my hobbies include uh, giving minors alcohol during their, their driver's test. Hey, come here, you little um, kids. Would you like some candy? <laughs> How about a shot? Make it go down better. So, <laughs> right? Fireball is like candy. <laughs> well, Goldschlager. I can like only imagine it. all that stuff would be like, my God, I just want to make alcohol. Why do I have to like freaking like have all? I, I get the rules, but. I feel like sometimes the Karens of the world have ruined a lot of the fun yeah. out of everything. So, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> she, she is not disagreeing with that. I mean, 
but I take it that brewing alcohol is not just like putting a bunch of stuff together, just go out in your backyard and make it. I'm imagining it's a lot of science and craft in it. You know, that's one of the things that I love about it. It is, it is a balance of science and art, you know, and, and you'll find people in the alcohol industry that are very much on the science aspect. They, they write down every single thing they do, every gram of what they use and, and they take meticulous notes on how it came out and how they can change it next time. Um, and, and my brother's like that, where he, he writes everything down. I'm more on the, the art side where I throw stuff in and then I taste it and I go, damn, that tastes really good. Yeah. Sounds like a day. Like, here we go. Well, who was um, that actor? Uh, he just bought a bunch of distilleries. Uh, he was uh, in uh, Deadpool. What's his name? Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, he's he, he's, he owns or he's a, a part owner of Aviation Gin. Which yeah, is an, an excellent gin. He said somewhere, and I could be wrong that it was him, but I think it was him. He said gin is basically just pure grain alcohol with some gin flowers thrown in. <laughs> um, with uh, it is. Oh, geez. I'm having a brain fart. <laughs> because vodka basically is pure grain alcohol. That's why it doesn't have a flavor, really. You know, that reminds me. I remember something that I, re- I read about in England when they had a, a, a I want to say a the beef eaters? Vodka, vodka tax or yeah. some sort of tax on um, beer or vodka or something like that. Yeah. And they came up with gin because <laughs> gin didn't have a tax. Well. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> I've I've heard Maybe. that on something. I know gin and mm. the gin was put into the tonic to get the 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 tonic into the soldiers in India, and they couldn't drink this tonic water with anything else because it was so terrible back then. It's much different now. It's not anything like what they were drinking back then. And they put gin in it, and they're like, "Oh, okay, I can drink this." So you well, it was kind of a, a matter of what you had. Yeah, you know, so they they used the the tonic to uh, to deliver the quinine so that they would stop dying of malaria. Right. And they had switched, or they, they were still using gin as the official ration. You know, you, you get your daily ration of food and water, and also you got some gin. And they were like, well, we got the two of these. Let's throw them together. <laughs> And then eventually they'd throw the lime in too, so that they would stop dying of scurvy. Yeah, <laughs> so it was I, a health drink. Health drink, interesting. So yeah, it's it it was literally medicine. Well, and if you were a Quaker, you were screwed because you're if you drink that or die, literally, you would just die. Well, yeah, <laughs> have a different. A lot of people in medicine and religions have interfered with that. So, out of curiosity, is your um, distillery going to ship? Are you going to have a website for anybody that wants to, like, you know, go on there, buy some stuff, and you can ship it? Because Arkansas recently allowed it where you can have alcohol shipped in. Because I bought a thing on Just wine, wine I think. I don't think you can do wine? booze. Oh, man. Yeah, you have to go to the store. <laughs> that explains. There's, um, we will have a website. Uh, we'll Once we're up and operational and we, we have bottles on the shelves, we'll do our best to ship. Um, but there's about five states that allow you to ship hard liquor. Yeah. Uh, and most of the major carriers don't want to touch it. They don't want to ship hard liquor anyway. 
Well, um, I'm thinking if you just relabel it as um, <laughs> jet fuel, you know, and when they open it up, is that jet fuel smells like uh, gin? Well, that's because it's our special blend of jet fuel. And then you just drink it. Yeah, just yeah, tell the juniper gives it a little extra zing when yeah. it's flying. Yeah, it turns the flame <laughs> purple or something. Or just say that it's like perfume and you're shipping it. Yeah, no, my yeah, my my dad's buddy did that. He sent him a bunch of he said my dad's buddy sent him a bunch of wine and oh, it was it was no it was um, what was it schnapps was it schnapps yeah a bunch of schnapps or something like, it was it was, it was hard liquor hard liquor and they asked him what was in it says oh it's perfume <laughs> because he figured yeah, if it breaks yeah, it would you know the old, uh, the old flavored olive oil I made a garlic olive oil if you say it's jet fuel though I mean at least it's you know close I think there's regulations flammable I mean come on there's probably regulations with jet fuel. I'm <laughs> less inclined to ship jet fuel than gin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could ship you could ship something like that jet fuel for model airplanes. You could probably ship that before you could gin. That's, That's how stupid the you know stuff is. I don't understand that. Arkansas is always like, well, let's just say that we're behind on everything. But when the fact that we can get wine in the mail was kind of cool, but it's like, come on, just... didn't they stop it though? No, I still get my. Uh... I think first they're leaf. delivering it, and they're not just just breaking no, them no, off. no. I get first leaf. It's a um, it's all all over the U.S. and they ship. I guess I get it quarterly, but they ship it to the house, and I was all excited about it. She gets it quarterly, but she drinks it weekly. Stop or strongly. It's not I don't that know, bad. It's, it's a lot of it's two a, weeks. It's gone. No, it, <laughs> it is weird. There's like a lot of leftover morality about hard liquor that you just don't see with wine and beer. You know, the the hard liquor, the NFL didn't allow advertisements for hard liquor during their shows until like three years ago. Uh, alcohol you know, is alcohol. something just like in, inherently more sinful about, you know, a, a whiskey than about nonstop yeah. advertisements for beer, I guess. Yeah, right. I don't understand that because, I mean... Growing up, and you read history books about prohibition, and I remember sitting there thinking, "Why in the hell did prohibition ever pass? We've been like drinking since like time began, but and then we still kind of have a little bit stigma of that. That's kind of lingered on with hard liquor. To me, makes no sense. It's like alcohol's alcohol. Get over it. Those women, you know, we were ruled. I mean, I, they let the Karens get away with it back then. <laughs> you know, and the men were like, you know, well, if I'm going to be married to this woman, I better do what she says or I'm not going to get any food or anything else. There's so this... I, that is very effective. <laughs> there's, I live in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and there's a, a story. I can't remember her, her name, but she's got a big poster and they do tours and stuff. But supposedly she had a hatchet and she would go into the bars and the speakeasy in Eureka and break all the bottles and cause such a ruckus in the beginning of right before prohibition started that she's mm -hmm. kind of become a legend in the town. And there's this big poster board outside of all the tours of her. But um, yeah. what I'm sure the bars appreciate that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you know about like what what got the history part of it, what what history information do you find interesting when you were learning and, and learning about spirits and stuff that you want to share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, I love I I love the human aspect of it. You know, alcohol production was 
was individually created by every single culture. Like every single culture came up with a way to ferment. And then as soon as distillation was invented, every single culture was like, oh, okay, we've got our thing. Like this is ours now. They embraced it. They loved it. And it's a huge part of our traditions, you know, even our culture today. And, and in regards to the prohibition that you guys were talking about, it's a totally different world because hard liquor had just become like a regular option. Like, yeah, this is a thing that's on the menu. And across the world, people were drinking it like beer. You know, the, the way that you see people drop down a, a Bud Light at a party, people were drinking like a whiskey and water, and it was a lot more whiskey than water. It's the best kind. Um, well, like, and uh, it was, you know, I, I think about the foundation of, of our country. They were wrecked. I oh, mean, yeah. this, this nation is built on people who were absolutely blitzed. <laughs> the well, it's because of the English, they were, they're all, I mean, in the past, they were always blitzed. And you would, if you had to live in England in the 1700s, You'd want to be blitzed because that sucked. As a woman, I don't think I'd make it. You could. You'd I'd make be too it. mouthy and probably have a husband that beat my ass, probably. But, well, but you, oh, see, you could beat him back. Exactly. Yeah, you, yeah, you could. You could beat him back. And <laughs> the only problem is now you can kill your husband if he's trying to kill you. Back then, if you were killed your husband while he's trying to kill you, you would still go to jail. That's the only difference. Um, easier to change your identity and run away. That's true, yeah. <laughs> but you're mentioning cultures like in, in Jewish culture for Passover, we have Passover approved wine. Passover approved hangovers too. And then Passover, mm-hmm. by the time you, you do the Seder meal, you've gone around the, the Seder plate, you've had at least four to six glasses of wine. Yeah, you have to have like a case of wine to be able to pull that off. Yeah, and you have to have a designated driver too if you're, going, if you're doing it inside the temple. <laughs> But um, go, go, go jump in that pool they got hidden in the back. <laughs> oh my God, stop. <laughs> so what other type of like, do you know, I don't know about hard liquor in any ceremonies. I mean, is there any particular culture that does stuff with vodka and gin and rum and any of that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, vodka specifically is, is such an interesting cultural element like like the way we think of vodka in the united states is like oh it's just you you throw it in your out you throw it in your drink and now it's an alcoholic drink and it's just kind of there to to bring up the other flavors but in russia or or any of the baltic countries really that that feel like it's theirs that take ownership of it it is one of the most important you know, products that they make, you know, the uh, Vladimir Smirnov, I've got a, a book about him is a, a monster of a book about his entire life. But when he died, his funeral was like a state affair because he, he was the biggest vodka producer in Russia. It was huge. It was monumental. It was a, the largest nation in the world in mourning because this vodka maker died, you know, and when you go to Russia today and you say, okay, well, I want to, I want to drink vodka. How do we drink vodka? You know, they're going to take you in a specific way. Like, okay, we're going to go bar hopping 
but it's it's this specific type of bar hopping like it's not the way we do it in america you do your shot you have your pickled egg you have like and then you move to the next one and you have a different vodka shot and it's it's always got to be ice cold and yeah. you know you you have to throw it down in just the right way and i just i just love the little rituals that pickled that eggs humans, though oh yeah oh well i mean <laughs> personally i think russian food makes a lot more sense when you think like okay i i eat this thing and then I do a shot of like ice cold, high proof vodka. Yeah. You know, cause when you eat Russian food, like I'm always kind of like, Oh, it's so it's like rich and oily. Okay. That helps. It's like rich and oily. And I'm just like, Oh my God, it's too much. But, but when you factor in the drink, it, it cuts it all away. It clears it all out. It opens everything back up again for you to keep eating. Interesting. Well, it's kind of like Coca-Cola. The reason why people like that stuff so much is because of the the carbonation. Same with beer. It cleanses the palate, and so you can taste more stuff. So it's kind of like Absolutely. coffee beans for your nose is a carbonated drink for your mouth. Interesting. So, okay, Russia's known for vodka. We know that. Japanese is for sake. The vodka. The very bad, the very, very bad vodka accent. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's, hello, little man. How oh are you? God. And Germany's beer... So what? France is wine. What's England? Gin. Gin. Uh, gin. Gin. Gin and brandy. Well, uh, uh, French is brandy though, because I think Napoleon was loved yeah. his brandy. Brandy, and then of course uh, Scotland is Scotch. Scotch. And America is bourbon. Bourbon. And then mm-hmm. uh, Mexico has tequila. Gin, tequila. Tequila. So I can't drink tequila. Oh my god! Can I tell the story about my tequila experience? <laughs> Can, can I? All right. Okay. So this is like 1994, all right? I'm not actually supposed to be in this bar. I was only 20. You're close. I was close. Not, like it's 90, not close enough. In, in 94, I was in high school. So. You are in high school? Yes. Yeah. So I, I go into... <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if I was... So I was 18 and 92. 93, 94. Yeah, I was 20. So... Uh, I go in the bar. It's the bottom of this hotel. It was called Night Lights. Oh, you know, Night Lights. I it's a kind ho- of vaguely remember that. Definitely a 90s hotel or 80s, 90s hotel bar. So I'm in there, you know, and they got the checkerboard floors and they've got the different colored lights and they've kind of got the disco ball thing going on. Very 90s. Yeah, yeah. And they got the DJ in the corner and he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And everybody's like, eh, shut up, just play some music. And you get the big old bar at the back of the room. So I go to the back room and go to where he's, you know, whatever. And this dude, he's sitting next to me and he goes, hey, man, come here. You look cool. And I'm like, all right, what's up? Okay. He says, if I'll buy your drinks if you drink me onto the table. And I'm like, all right, you're pretty sloshed already. I think we can do this. He says, the only thing you got to do is you got to drink what I'm drinking. And I said, freeze, free. We'll do it. I don't care. So he lines them up, and it's just tequila shots all day long. Just the high-quality Jose. Of course, he's Jose Cuervo because it's Arkansas, the armpit of everything. And he doesn't know there's better tequila besides Jose Cuervo. So he lines them up, and I'm drinking. And finally, he just he just kind of stands up, and he looks at the bartender, and he goes, just pay for his drinks. I got to go to bed. <laughs> and he's gone. 
right? So I'm sitting at the bar. I'm like bored now because I don't have this guy to listen to his bullshit anymore. And I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and I look over and there's this girl sitting at the table. She's talking to this dude. And I'm like, that, that motherfucker, that motherfucker right there. He, what is he doing talking to her? I, ooh, I can't have that. Uh, and I got up. I walked about four steps, and I realized I don't know who she is. <laughs> <laughs> Only you, Paul. Yeah, you. Well, you're 20. I mean, we do dumb stuff. I didn't. We really didn't drink. Didn't drink tequila for almost 40 years after that. 20 years after that. <laughs> At least she didn't go over and throw up on her. That would like top the night. Oh no! So she probably would have thrown up on me because she was drunk too. <laughs> I probably could have. I probably could have broken up a good marriage for all I know. Oh, oh God, that's awful. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, I'm not a player. No, no, not, not at all. me. So, so definitely um, not a couple tequila shots in. Nobody's a player that far down. <laughs> but but the good news is you don't give a shit anymore. So what the hell? Like I said, it. You're like you have you're making memories and you can't remember. <laughs> no, I want to remember. So let me ask you this. I've gluten sensitivity and I'm deeply, deeply saddened that I cannot have beer anymore. I'm told they make a gluten free beer somewhere out there. Should I play the funeral march? No, don't play the funeral okay. march. But that reminds me though, most of the other hard alcohol out there, most of it does not contain the barley, the wheat, the oats, all that other stuff. Well, it's it's m- distilled off. You can't have it. So is that correct? Most yeah. of it would probably be considered pretty safe for us gluten free people. Yeah, yeah, you're the things that activate the gluten sensitivity, the thing that your body goes, oh, my God, it's poison, kill it. Um, It doesn't make it past the distillation process like that's left in the pot when you're when you're distilling. Um, But if people are worried about that, you know, all of the corn vodkas are obviously safe. Brandy is made from grapes. That's totally safe. Tequila is made from uh, agave. There's no gluten in that. Um, but yeah, as it, it will not activate gluten sensitivities. So the question I have is that we, I buy this vodka from Sands Club and I buy it because it's 1284 for a, to a liter of vodka. It's cheap. Absolutely. And it's pretty good. It's actually not bad. It's probably made by InBev. Who knows? Um, but it's, Six times distilled. What does that mean? Yeah, does that mean anything, or are they just bullshitting everybody? Um, mostly bullshit. <laughs> well, it's good to know because I'm like, what do you bullshit. do? Run it through six times? How do you get any alcohol on the shelf? I mean, that's how I took at it. Look at it when it says that. Well, the alcohol yeah, so... evaporates and leaves the water on the pot in the pot. So the only thing exactly. that's going up in the air is the alcohol. So then you distill it again, maybe you get out another 0.4% of water and just leave the alcohol. Yeah. So far. Yeah. And the way that sort of came to be so when, when you talk about vodka being distilled more, that is the, the nature of it. So when you, you're, you're back in the old timey days when all we had were pot stills. Um, which is the one that you're picturing in your head out in the woods, like kind of a maybe a teardrop shaped thing going on with a spout sticking off the end. Yeah, and a and a old what? dude with a beard and a dog going, Have you seen any revenues? Let me know. 
Yeah, you actually have to have like a at least a six inch long beard in order to distill. I can put on like a face every time I'm working. <laughs> That's the qualifications for. Yeah, she, she has to wear one for yeah. one of those one of those strap on beards. I was sorry, yeah, I couldn't itchy, help it. I had to say strap on beard just to people for people to go. Oh my like, what? No. <laughs> so I guess the kind of was my overall. To understand that six times stuff, can you walk us through? Uh, I, I'm curious because I I don't know honestly what it takes from honestly start to finish to get vodka because I know it's a lot easier than what you know harder excuse me than what they have those silly little kits you can buy on the store. Yeah, so the kits that you can buy in the store are usually um, a fermentation kits. So like make your own mead at home or your own beer at home or your own wine, um, and that's where you would start. So if you were making a, a corn vodka, if you're making Tito's or D-Betty's, those are corn vodkas, you would ferment the corn, which is where you make it into, you add yeast, the yeast eats the sugar. And obviously I'm, I'm simplifying quite a bit, but the yeast eats the sugar, it produces the alcohol. And then you have kind of like, you know, if you're doing a corn alcohol, then it would it would almost be like a boozy grit situation. Okay. Um, that sounds so gross. I just picture, Boozy grits? I just, it's I, like, I, here's some Quaker oats, but it's alcohol, too, so you're well, good. I picture, like, this grainy <laughs> substance in, wa- like, in water is what I picture. <laughs> but, hey, yeah. you got to break the corn down somehow. You can't pick the corn off the cob and make alcohol, like, in 24 hours. <laughs> I could yeah, go so yeah. many bad like, places with corn this. sitting around, it doesn't just turn into alcohol. Um, you would, you would get it fermented. You would make the alcohol and then you would put it into that, that pop still, um, that you're picturing out in the woods and you would cook off the alcohol because alcohol evaporates at a lower temperature than water. So you can kind of bring it up to the 200, uh, like just below that 212 and you would let it sit there and you would let it simmer and it'll cook off the ethanol first. And that is your, your first run. Usually that's going to have a lot of water still in it. It's going to be a lower ABV. It's also going to have more of those four shots that you were talking about. What's ABV? So, um, so the, the, the smelly poisonous stuff that comes off first, and then you're going to have this, probably 50% ABV um, distillate that comes out of the still. And it's going to be rough. It is not going to taste very good, or it's going to taste just like what you, you just did. So the one that we're talking about, it's going to taste like corn. The, like there's nothing you, you're going to be like, ah, yes, this is definitely liquefied corn. <laughs> liquefied <laughs> corn. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I hate creamed corn. So disgusting. That's all I'm thinking about right now is creamed corn. Looks like it looks like somebody who cannot digest anything about the corn pooped it out. That's what it looks like to me. And that's that's creamed corn. It's that's like, the graphic. I don't think the audience really wants to have instilled yeah. in their head right now. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I can distill it down mistake. if you want me to. Mm. Sorry, couldn't help it. <laughs> So, on um, your first batch of everything you do in a brand new distillery, is it kind of 
your first batch of anything, is it always kind of like, eh, and then your second batch is always way better? And how, why is that? So you would, so that, that first run is going to be pretty rough. Um, some people love it. That's, it'll taste like when you, when you taste it, you're like, oh yes, this is moonshine. Like this is what it should taste like. Ah. Um, but ah. that doesn't mean it's good. So what you would do is you would clean out your still and you would put that liquid into the still and you would run it again. And it's going to come out higher proof and it's going to be refiltered as it goes through the yeah. still. So that is going to be a little bit cleaner. And that would be two times the still. Yeah. You know, so listen, sorry, listening to this just makes me wonder how did we ever survive as people? Sorry. <laughs> I'm sure the first but I'm the first couple of hundred people that tried this probably didn't. I'm listening to this so and I'm like, know. oh my God, who? This is nuclear science of the like 1000 BCE. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you <laughs> okay. off. I was just like, what the heck? I'm thinking, you're thinking, no wonder they didn't want people doing this in their backyard. They were killing themselves off. Well, they explode too. Ugh. You get that much ethanol? I mean, come on. Sometimes. So, so you're saying it's, it's really hard. You have to be doing something pretty stupid <laughs> to. To blow it up to set it on fire. It's wow! I would I would accomplish that at least once. <laughs> so, so you're sick. The only way it blows up is if you plug the end and then like walk away and just leave it on fire. Let the pressure you know, build. You're like, oh yeah, I don't want it to go anywhere, and also I'm just gonna leave it on fire. Like it's fine. What I'm just would an do asshole that? idiot. You're making alcohol. It, it has to come out somehow, somewhere. We can plug that. That's what in. she said. Oh my god! I couldn't stop. help it. We plug that end up and be like, I'm just gonna make a bomb. I mean. I do not know. So uh, the maybe, second time you've but got in their defense, they are probably drinking. So oh, <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. This is some. This is some really good grain right here, man. Don't drink on your own supply. Like don't yeah. get high on your own supply. Yeah, exactly. do like Walter yeah. White. Like, remember until it's out. You know. <laughs> remember Walter White did not indulge in his own crank. Oh, from Breaking Bad. Yeah. yeah. I don't think "Be Like Walter" is a good campaign for. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You don't think blowing up your competition is a good thing? <laughs> they wouldn't appreciate. It. No, they wouldn't. You so, know, yeah, but you can narrow the market, right? Oh my god! So your second run, what do you do after that? Does it taste like less corn-like? I guess as a yeah, it. it tastes a little bit cleaner, a little bit clearer. It's a little bit higher proof. Um, and you're going to have less of those, those the chemicals, the bad chemicals on either end, which is usually what you're tasting when you have like out of the plastic jug and you're like, oh, my God, this tastes like jet fuel. Like that's because Mad it, dog 2020. It kind of like that's what's on the, the front and the back end are like. I got Mason Bones farm. <laughs> so in a professional distillery like you're you're having, do you have like all I, the I may have been drinking just a touch. I think this is my fourth shot of gin right now. Just I, so you know. I've been We figured we were talking about alcohol. I'm, I'm attempting to drink more as I I've already gotten up once while the podcast has been re recording. And nobody's going to know. And like refilled my glass with another two shots of gin. Oh, I'm sitting here, though. But my question is... <laughs> what are you drinking? Huh? 
Which, which gin? Oh, uh, Sam's Club again has a gin for twelve fifty. It's like Costco everywhere else. Yeah, I mean it's know. their house brand, and I'm sure it's made by InBev. There's a whole lot of things that I want to get to, but I'm letting Andrea get to her questions first. I'm just curious because I um, the only thing I'm a nurse by trade, and the only thing I can equate this to is when I did dialysis, and we had to check the water frequently um, at the beginning of each time we put something on because if the water was not correct. We could kill somebody, essentially. What so, are you talking about, water? The, it's a certain type of water process that goes into the machines that cleans the blood. Oh, you got to clean them, the clean the blood with water. It, it will go. That's a whole other podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's basically it's like isomos. Uh, I can't pronounce it, but it's uh, isomotic isopropyl. No, <laughs> isomotic water that's mixed in with the chemicals inside the the dialysate that helps clean the blood for the patient. So we had to do all these like quality mm-hmm. checks. So. How do you know that you've gotten all the bad stuff out of it? Do you have like some poor person with litmus paper sitting on top, dipping it in there going, yeah, we're good. <laughs> or how does that work? Um, well, you can, you can err on the side of caution um, where you just, you, you'd say, okay, the first five minutes, whatever's coming out is, is gone. It's fine. Like I'm just dropping it. It won't be in my alcohol. Um, the problem is that, the best tasting part of the ethanol comes off right after the methanol, all the other alcohols, your four shots. Makes the sense. The best part of the heart comes right on the edge. But usually what we do or what we did at, at the last distillery that I worked at was the head distiller would just stand there and, and run his hand under the, the liquid as it was coming out of the still and... Uh, he would rub his hands together and he would smell it and he would just keep doing that until you can you can smell the difference between the the four shots and the heart. So as soon as it would start to smell like that good, delicious, you know, corn whiskey, then we would, you know, move it into a different bucket, basically, because it, it just pours out of a, a little funnel into a bucket so then we would switch the bucket to the one where we're like okay now this is the stuff we want to keep oh wow um here's where the the yeah the, the art and that's, comes that's in the art of it is it's, you can do there's lots of scientific ways the big distilleries they have monitors so that they they know exactly where that cut should be made um but the smaller guys you're it's usually just someone standing there and if you get if you get some of that four shot though, you're gonna that's not good. That's that's a toluene, isn't it? Oh, uh, there's a there's quite a few different alcohols in there. Methanol is like the big name bad guy, um, but there's there's a few different. If you get toluene, I used to paint parking lots for a living, and toluene, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, if you got that in your skin. It would circulate through your body even just a little bit, and it would it would dissolve the something inside of your eye that would make you go blind. I have heard reading. I like to read about. Don't use told you told told you. I can't do it. <laughs> Nursing stuff, but too many gin. I was. We were. T- you know, it shuts down the kidneys if you drink it. And it can make you blind too. I've heard about the four shot stuff because I was always curious, like what's so what's so bad about it? But 
There's other things that shut down. The Methanol. Kidney. That's why it's you run your race car off that. But it shuts. It crystallizes the kidneys, and you, you just basically shuts them down. Do they turn into crystals? Maybe you could get those crystals and tell the future. Oh my God! Stop. We have some guests <laughs> that in the past that might have wanted those crystals. No, I'm not like you know, it's not that kind of crystal. It's not that kind of crystal. It looks like <laughs> I had a pathologist tell me one time that it looks like basically under a slide microscope, like basically like like crystal crystals. It's kidney yeah. cells just fused. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, st- stay away from yeah. homebrew, man. Yeah, because homebrew. I'm. Well, I look at those kits, and I'm like, man, they gotta make it work. It's the- different though when you're making it through mash. Or you're making it through grapes. That's a different. But the, 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 the alcohol is different. Well, they have the moonshiner show on, and I remember I watched one episode, and I'm sitting there thinking in my head, "There's going to be some idiot out there that's going to get one of those kits. It's going to watch this show and probably try to do it in their backyard and kill themselves <laughs> because they don't yeah, know what they're doing." Only if they set it on fire or something like that. <laughs> but um, but but because we're talking about two different kinds of alcohol. I know, but I'm sitting there thinking, my God. Yeah. So I mean, can the, you, the big thing is that, you know, when, when you're producing alcohol, it all matters with what you start with, what you've fermented. And there's going to be trace amounts of methanol in, in pretty much everything of all the, the yeah. alcohols produced. Um, but the big one is wood pieces is what really produces methanol. So when people were like, oh, moonshiners are, are making alcohol and they're, people are going blind and people are dying, um, it was because they were using wood pieces in their, their fermentation, in their distillation, and that produced the methanol. Mm. Um, so when you when you see like a kid at home and it's like oh we've got the the grapes are already pressed or it starts with basically from a juice you don't have to worry about that kind of thing because there's no wood in it um, and that's least... if you ever try a, a grappa is the so once you've used up the grapes the grape juice then they take all the like leftover skins and and stems and whatever and they ferment that together and then they distill it and that's grappa it has a very like distinct sharpness to it and that's methanol from all the wood pieces that are left in there interesting but as long as you're not throwing wood chips in because you can use wood to create alcohol you're just creating poison yeah well and i've forgotten the 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 gin erased my thought my short-term memory you're not so. remembering yeah I know. <laughs> so what's a good m- you sit there and go i'll use this these products to make vodka i'll use these products to make gin and these products to make this and the other do you have like oh i don't know like what do you put your mat I, I don't know what to call it mash what do you what do you call when you first get yeah, started mash. the fermentation process is it called mash or is it got another term it's the tv show yeah. from the yeah. uh, 80s no <laughs> no okay yeah, I would say that's the most commonly used term for it is you're you're starting from the mash or the must, um, but I, I don't like that word. Must like does moist. Sound, does it's yeah. not a good word. Moist. It's weird. Yeah, it does. I've never had a problem with the word moist. 
But everybody else is like, oh, moist. I don't know. It's just like, oh. It's not a good term when you're a nurse. It really doesn't bother me. Moist? (laughs) Yeah. What, it's slightly wet? Okay, I get it. Yeah, that's not a term. When you hear that in nursing (laughs) stuff and report, you're like, oh, God. It's moist. (laughs) It's it's only a problem for me when somebody goes, it's moist. Oh, my God. Then that's a problem for me. I really don't (laughs) appreciate that. So... (laughs) <laughs> what are you do you have like yeah. where do you get all your corn do you have like some massive garden in the back where you get all your corn for your corn mash or do you have like i mean well, how we're m- in the heart of downtown phoenix so I you have nothing not that grows <laughs> um yeah no you would uh you would you can gather up bearded dragons probably you can just get like your you know your big brand names they'll deliver your your corn, your blended yeah. grains, whatever, um, or you can cultivate, you know, local farmers' relationships with them. They always like, you know, basically you pre-order. You're like, hey, I need this much corn, and yeah. I, I'm going to distill it. They're like, okay, perfect. I know exactly how much to do. Um, Have you ever? But we actually, yeah, um, we won't be distilling here because we're on. Uh, the ground floor of a high rise. There's uh, condos above us, and the last thing you need is a methanol leak. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So we'll be buying the alcohol already made, and then doing the infusion here in store. Ah. Oh, okay. Because I'm just sitting here thinking, like, how much corn does it take to make a? And a everybody gallon? buys from InBev. Uh, <laughs> to make a gallon of vodka or whatever. I mean. Are you talking like a field of corn? Are you talking yeah. like, you know, 10 ears of corn? I mean, how much? Yeah, how much take? does it take to make a bottle of vodka? I would say so. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's like equations or, you know, some of these oh, sure. books I have in store might even have like infographics on it. Um, but when we were making alcohol at the distillery I used to work at, I would say we use. 10, 10 to 15, like, five-pound bags of grain, and that made 300 gallons of wash, which ended up being pretty much, like, 200 bottles. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's probably a good 10 yeah. acres. That's like a that's, lot of corn. that's I, I, that's my very very rough estimate from uh, five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> making <laughs> well, just to come in, I, I have my questions that I really would like to see what your insight is because yeah. you are behind the wall as far as alcohol is concerned. Um, you know, InBev. I've been saying InBev all this entire program, but InBev is the largest alcohol producer in the world. They bought up everybody like Volkswagen. You don't know they exist, but Volkswagen has bought up all the car, almost all the car companies in the world, and they make more cars than anybody combined, than the rest of the cars mm-hmm. makers combined. And InBev is the same thing. I think they own Budweiser, if I'm not if I'm not wrong. I think they own Coors. I think they they own Bud. Yeah, and they own most of the hard alcohol that's on your shelf. Believe it or not, the big names, like 
George Dickel used to be a small distillery in Tennessee, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I loved it. And it said 15 years old, and it was 15 years old. The barrels were fifth; they were they were put in the barrel 15 years ago. Wow! And you could buy the whiskey, <laughs> and it was great whiskey. Now they huge upgrade. Yeah, now they figured out how to make that same whiskey, but they say. 15-year recipe or some bullshit like that on the label, it no longer says 15 years Very old. Hmm. How do they How do they make this alcohol taste exactly like it used to? And it's, it tastes fairly the same. There's hardly any difference at all. How do they get it to taste mm-hmm. the same when they make it in the matter of three or four months? Well, they're they're probably not making it in a matter of three or four months. Um, usually when you see something like that, where it's the, the 15 year recipe or like, oh, the, where they're like, not quite saying this is how old this is. This is what's in it. Um, you're looking at blend yeah, and blending is absolutely an, an art in itself. Um, so what they're probably doing is they go, okay, we've got some, 15-year barrels, we've got some 10-year, we've got some 5-year, and we're going to find the right blend to keep our signature flavor. Yeah. Um, and and they would just constantly, like, they've, they've got a team of people that are constantly like, okay, a little from this barrel, a little from that barrel, and depending on where they are in their warehouses, what's going on, they're all going to have these different flavors. Yeah, because it's, um, it's interesting because the old George Dickel that I used to drink, it only if you put it in Seven Up, it tasted just it had a unique flavor. If you put it in Sprite, it wasn't the same. It wasn't right. It, it tasted it tasted bad. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. But if you put it in, yeah, yeah but if you put it in Seven Up, it was like this. It, it was something that I I grew up my you know everybody around in the entire neighborhood drank it and I got used to it and I, that's the way I like it and <clears throat> how do they I it's just it's just messed up because in my opinion it's not the same it doesn't work anymore in Seven Up yeah I mean there's definitely perils to uh, to growth. Um, I would say there's also perils to staying small. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The, a lot of small distilleries did not make it through the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, even though you would think people were drinking more. Were like record highs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I have to work from home. Oh, my God. I got to just stock up on some booze. <laughs> it, was, it was a real concern. I, I was reading these articles in, at the beginning of the pandemic and people were like, you know, with people not being able to go out to restaurants or bars, what are we going to do? And, and these were industry magazines. So they were like, okay, yeah. bars are going to close. No big deal. What about us? Um, and, and everybody performed better than they had in years, like across the board. Everyone yeah. was drinking. It's weird though, but it, it, you have to buy the pre-made alcohol, so you're buying it from a company company like InBev. Then, absolutely, yeah. I yeah, mean, one of the one of the big boys. 
They they really people really don't understand how much of it's it's closing in on a monopoly when it comes to when it comes to alcohol. God, I didn't know about it. Too, it something definitely is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, InBev owns everything. They own Coors. If if I think so, if I remember, I know they own Milwaukee's Best. They own uh, Budweiser. It's Budweiser's a big purchase. It's crazy, and it's out of Europe. It's not even American yeah. anymore. And and Budweiser is big enough to kind of own subsidiaries of their own because one of our biggest breweries out here in Arizona, uh, Kilt or uh, Four Peaks Brewing, um, they're known for their their Kilt Lister beer. They were bought out probably six years ago by Budweiser, and it was very very controversial. Yeah, I think it's still pretty controversial. And Budweiser um, is owned by InBev. At least I think so. I mean, yep. Let me let me Google it so I don't tell my listeners a, a lie. So, uh, <laughs> why, owned by someone. Why are One they, of the big boys. Yeah, One of the big three. it's not Budweiser anymore. It's I guess for me as like a layperson, I thought like Coors was its own company and it was competing against you know uh, Budweiser. They're if they're under the same thing, like <laughs> we don't have our own you, in the U.S. So, I think. They, they tend to pick up things so that they have a complete portfolio. Yeah. So I think Coors and Bud Light are owned by different people because, because the people who own Bud Light, they don't need Coors. They don't want a competing yeah. Yeah, makes sense. product. So they can, they can buckle down and be like, all right, Bud Light, we are sponsoring all of these events through Bud Light. And then we will have our other adjacent complementary products as as part of it, depending on the event. Um, versus if they were to have Coors and Bud, then they would be like, okay, well, is this a Bud Light event or is this a Coors event? You know, which one are we going to push? But uh, I think I think those two are like the flagships of of different. Yeah. Major corporations. According, In my mind, there's like three really huge corporations that own almost every every alcohol manufacturer that you know by name. In 2015, uh, CNBC did an article by Nick Wells and Mark Fahey. I'm not sure. They say that global mega brewer Anheuser-Busch slash InBev, Anheuser-Busch is owned by InBev, announced... It had reached a tentative agreement to purchase its rival, its rival for 104 billion, uh, and then InBev brews Stella, Bex, Lef, Sab Miller, and so basically InBev now owns Miller, Miller Light is the same company as fucking Anheuser Busch. Wow. That's crazy. Are they just not making enough money that they have to sell themselves out to InBev? Um, I would think as much as beer is and and alcohol is ingrained in our culture that they should do just fine. You would think. Well, you know, it it might just be a matter of like the, I know for the small guys, you know, when, when uh, Four Peaks chose to, to sell, it was a matter of, you know, first of all, now they're part of this larger company that offers healthcare benefits, um, you know, retirement packages, things like that. And the owners were basically like, look, they're going to give us 
$2 million for this company, I can take that and go start another like little brewery yeah. and, and never worry about anything again. Yeah, like so, I can, I have enough money to retire and also still go start a new brewery and do the thing I love without worrying about growing. And then you've got Anheuser, Anheuser Bush, which is InBev, is Budweiser, Bud Light, Kona, Michelob, Stella, Estrella. I don't know. Bush Beer is owned by mm-hmm. Budweiser, Natural Light. Land Shark, Presidente, Hogarden, and Shock Top, and a bunch more. Andrea's sitting here looking at the page, going, "Holy shit! Holy moly! Yeah, oh they own everything." Was there a monopoly like that in hard liquor? Yeah, they own the hard liquor places. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Wow, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, um, Jose. I wonder who owns Jose. Who owns Jose Cuervo? I will find that out. I mean, I, I don't, I'm like, I don't know. I guess in my head, I thought that they were all like, you know, individually owned and were making their own they money. They used to be back but, in the day. Well, a lot of them are still, you know, when when you sell out to a big company like this, there's things that they're going to take over, you know, the financials, the lawyers, the that kind of thing. But a lot of times when it comes to production, they're like, okay, you're buying through our people now, like you're buying your grains and everything through through our companies, but they're not going to like, usually, usually they're not going to like, okay, we're sending our people in and they're going to make it, or we're going to take your recipes and do it at the Budweiser factory. Like they want you to still operate independently to keep producing independently the way you have there's a reason they bought these companies you know they like you're doing good (laughs) they want you to keep doing what you're doing just with their resources and then they get the profit well here's the cool part here's something cool for everybody i looked up the jose cuervo who owns jose cuervo on google and the beckman family uh, is a, Jose Cuervo is a family owned and is run by the Beckman family of Mexico, descendants of Don Jose Antonio de Cuervo, Juan Domingo Beckman. I mean, oh my God, how many names do you need, really? I mean, do we, you know, but so Jose Cuervo is not an InBev company. Interesting. I would think it would be because it's so huge. This is a totally random question, but it made me think. Um, I also do like, Took, has a have a degree in nurse paralegal. So have you ever like heard of instances where people have gotten upset and people have like, you know, passed away due to DWIs that people try to sue the distillery? Is that a thing or is um, it just, just like one of those random things? I was just sitting here thinking that this state by state issue. You yeah. can't get away with it in Arkansas, but Michigan, you might be able to. Because I was thinking, you know, in the Sue Happy Society that we yeah. tend to be tend to be, I mean I can kind of see someone well, getting upset. And I just, can sue a ham sandwich. Doesn't mean I'll go to court. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I can sue a ham sandwich. Because I'm thinking for somebody that's just starting out on this and love this art and craft, it would just, if you could get away with that, you could wipe out somebody's whole entire way of life just because, well, they yeah. drank too much and drove away well, and ta-da. 
what insurance is for. <laughs> well, and it is illegal. You have to cut them off. If it, it usually, I, I at least know the Arkansas statute. If you feel, and I'm paraphrasing, if you feel as a bartender or a bar owner that the person is inebriated to the point they can't, that that they're starting to get too drunk or drunk, it's your responsibility to cut them off. Makes That's sense. That's Arkansas. Yeah. I don't know about Arizona. Yeah, so in, in Arizona, the way it works is if you are serving the alcohol, then you could potentially be found responsible. So, you know, if if someone gets in an accident after you overserved them, yeah. um, you could be sued by the family. You would also have charges brought from the state. And you would be liable to lose your liquor license, which is very, very big deal. Yeah. Very big deal. Um, I think if, you know, if, if I sold someone a bottle and they took it home and then they went for a joyride and they were drinking right out of my bottle in the car, as long as I can say, look, I did not, like, I didn't open it for them. I didn't. Yeah, exactly. Send them on their way. I didn't have them drinking here and then send them like, then that's not on me. Like there's, there's a line where it's like, okay, you know, how delicious my blackberry (laughs) vanilla vodka is did not make you do this. (laughs) Right, right, right. Exactly. But it's just, it's sad that it has to come to that. And you said insurance. I can only imagine like the the premium cost on that. Just this brewery alone. It's not as bad as malpractice insurance. So I, well, Nursing, they say, that encourage us to carry malpractice insurance. But when I've talked to an attorney, they said, don't. If you don't have anything to go after, they're not going to go after you. But brewery, you probably have to, the distillery, because it's state law, right? Um, you, there isn't any like legally required insurance. Wow. Um, as part of our lease, we have to carry insurance. On the building, yeah. Um, yeah, make sure that you don't yeah, blow something up or yeah. Um, well, it should yeah, be. Yeah, you're not like you know, it's not like part of your your alcohol application. There's not like a can you prove you you've got insurance against this kind of thing. Like it, if you choose, you know, we're a, a very um, we're a state that believes in freedom of business practices. Uh, so if you choose not to carry insurance and you get in trouble, then you are welcome to pay for it. Yeah. Well, um, that's nice. Arkansas, I think we... we, we, we Arkansas doesn't require you to do shit. So, I mean, (laughs) it's Arkansas. We got 2.3 million people last time I looked in the entire state. Denver has 3.5 million people as of 20 years ago. Yeah, no one cares here. I was just curious because, I mean, like, people the way they are anymore, they'll, like, you know, sue for anything. You know, but it depends on the state. If you're in Missouri or Michigan... You could probably win. You have a really good chance of winning. But in Arkansas, Texas, absolutely not. Oklahoma, don't even try. You're not going to win any of those lawsuits in those three states. But if you're in Missouri, maybe. maybe. Because it's just a different type of, co- it's a different legal system. Yeah, true. It's a state by state, but I was just really curious. But um, so what's I will my- say the thing that we ran into before, and it wasn't really a legal well, it, it could be a legal thing. 
it is illegal to advertise alcohol to children. Um, <laughs> I would imagine that was which, probably not your, that's probably not your target market in the first place. Yeah. Which is like, <laughs> oh no, I can't advertise to people who can't buy this. Oh no. <laughs> but it does mean, you know, our, my, at the last place I worked, he tried to sponsor a hole at a golf tournament and the benefit to that tournament was for a kid's sports league. Yeah. That's not going to work. That's like splitting hairs. There, and our but... stuff was taken down because they were like, well, you're advertising to children. And we're like, where? <laughs> <laughs> the like the, there are no kids on this golf course. Um, That's kind and of, everyone was uh, drunk anyway. It was the owner was extremely. It's called golf. <laughs> yeah. So I I have a question. What is if you're going to go out and pick a booze? What's your suggestion? Um. What do I drink? Well, I mean, if, what's, if, if you're looking at quality, because you know quality, if you're looking at this stuff, what kind, what will you be looking for in a booze? Usually, for my my everyday drinkers, um, I look for kind of middle of the shelf. Okay. So, you know, like our our. Spiced rum, we yeah. use the Costco spiced rum. It's $15 for a 1.75, and it's delicious. It's yeah. like candy. Um, you know, the same for vodka. I I go middle of the road. I either use the Costco vodka, or I really love the Deep Eddy uh, flavors. Yeah. Those are are absolutely so, delicious. See, I always, um, I always say that you need 90 proof. If it's below 90 proof, it's probably going to give you a headache. That's kind of my um, go-to thing. No, because 80 proof is like the the industry standard. Yeah. That's your 40% ABV. Um, I don't know. I just always just found that 80 proof, especially whiskey, like Jack Daniels, bleh, it's, mm-hmm. it gives me a headache. It's too many sulfites. So what's your best recipe that if anybody out there is in in the in your state wants to come visit you what's what your one of your top recipes are most liked? Uh the blackberry vanilla blackberry is vanilla. Okay. just absolutely amazing. It's got lemon, blackberry, vanilla, a little bit of ginger, a little bit of um uh, a couple other secret ingredients nice. um, for flavor. I would but, love uh, I would love to yeah, buy, but we live in Arkansas. That's hands down the most popular. We drive to Phoenix. It's not the best. It's it's only a little far. It's only a little far. Yeah. I'm thinking, man, I would order online and have it shipped to my house, but this is so, Arkansas. So, did you get your questions answered about? Yeah, I enjoyed this. Thank you so much for coming on. I've learned a lot because this is something like totally I don't really know a whole lot about. So <laughs> I've learned. I'm kind of. I'm not saying I'm gonna like you know put a distillery in my backyard. Please but, don't. But you just blow yourself up. <laughs> But it's just interesting to know. Eventually, you'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) See, see, see. She's encouraging. I'm just being curious because it's you know what all does it take? What all the regulations are? What all the? It's an art as well as a science. I think that's awesome. It's you know I think it's one of the 
the secret drivers behind human history. And there's just so, so much that, you know, we don't really think about it, but it's this constant presence. You know, you don't think about it until you try to quit. And then you're like, wait, hang on, this is everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So any, it's a huge industry, very, very complex. And, and it kind of all, all stages of, of size. Well, we we wish you the best of luck, and I guess let us know how it's going. So, yeah. is there anything you want to tell our audience uh, about? I guess brewing alcohol, booze, booze, booze. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I think alcohol is like making bread. You should know how to do it in your own home. Really, just in case. Dis- yeah, distill it's my own bucket. As, as dancing and singing and baking bread. It is just something that we do, and doing it at home will bring you joy. Just ask someone who's a home brewer. They'll tell you. Just don't touch the foreshot. <laughs> yeah, don't touch. And you know, don't, if, yeah. the purge comes, you have enough alcohol. Is dangerous. Well, the uh, foreshot you can use for Molotov cocktails. <laughs> you could use the foreshot for Molotov cocktails. Mm. I mean, if it's the end of the world, I mean, you know. Fruit of alcohol for the purge. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. I wish the best of luck. I hopefully it gets going. I might check. If, do you have a website or anything to our listeners to go check you out or find where you're at? Absolutely. Yeah, you can find us at turquoiseskyspirits.com. Uh, right now, we're selling everything but the bottles. So beautiful decanters, glassware, bottle openers, uh, really great books about alcohol, puzzles, things like that. And you'll find Um, all the uh, appropriate links in the show notes. So you can just scroll down, pick on the show note, and pop the link. Cool. So Excellent. So, Andrea, do you have anything coming up that we need to be aware of? Um, my lovely notebook of info here. Come on. Hey. So listen to, now I've been doing a lot of talking to people on Paul G's Corner, which is a second podcast that I run, mostly because I'm bored and you know, I can do it because I got all the stuff here in my house and I talk to just about everyone and it's a lot different than this program, because uh, it, but it's almost as just as just as interesting uh, well different subject every week right yeah we have someone coming up about talk about comedy what it feels like to be a comedian and all the stuff in, that's involved I'm sure that's not an easy thing person no, it's not person on chronic pain would love to talk to that Dr. guy Dr. Yaz yeah talk is to him is it Yaz yes Y-A-A-S I'm not sure yeah I think so yeah yeah uh, we got somebody we're going to talk to about Jedi lifestyle. Oh, yeah. We got like two people coming on over that. Um, industrial spy stuff, espionage. See, that's going to be awesome. I want to know the industrial spy stuff. Uh, the brain coach, the first steam method. I'm sure I'm butchering that. I have no idea what that is. I figured you would be interested. We're going to figure out what this is. This is one of those informative educational things that we're going to do. And then we also have someone who spent time in Chinese jail. Imagine oh, yeah. that was not fun yeah, or yeah. exciting. And so. just so you guys know, we are booked out. We have guests all the way until April. So so yes. you're looking, if we, if we stopped in April, you would still get new episodes until 
almost the end of March. I mean, because that's how far ahead we are. That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, Paul G's Corner, I'm booked out until March as well. Uh, February, no, it's January, February, March. Yeah, March. I'm booked out to mid March. And I'm doing three episodes a week. So check him out. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. Is that it? You got to go to paulgnewton.com and send me vodka money because that's, you know, we had the, we had the Andrea nutcracker fund that seemed to have gotten funded i'm slightly offended that no one bothered to send anything in for the paul g newton vodka fund because you know vodka i don't know he had to have vodka to tolerate my nutcrackers just at christmas i had gin today oh that's true we did yeah i had gin today gin yeah, yeah. gin vodka to send him money do I, did you get enough gin in you to be able to uh, participate in after podcast uh, uh, Olympics? Possibly. Oh, uh, need more gin. Damn it. All right. Is, <laughs> I, I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Bye. Bye. Andrea and I need your help. If you like our episodes, please give us a five-star rating and a review. Not sure exactly how that helps us, but it does, and it makes people want to listen. When they see that five stars and a good review from you, so go to wherever you're listening to your podcasts, Apple iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, wherever, and hit that five stars. 